wherever villainy rears its great big head, wherever evil sets its giant, ill-smelling foot, you will find Geeksploration, the podcast. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. Grab your secret crime viewfinder and head to the rooftops. Destiny is a funny thing. We're talking the tick. Oh, hi, Ben. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm in a great mood. It's a, it is a sunny, warm, uh, 4th of July morning. Yeah, it is. It's, it's nice outside right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at the, the glass half empty, but I'm, I'm anticipating the, uh, the ass blistering heat that's on its way. Um, it's been here already. It's it's passing through. So I'm just going to take today not uh, melting my balls as a uh, as a win. Yeah, maybe I'm just extra sensitive to it because my AC went out this week and it was lame. It's working again, so I'm I'm good. Last night was great. I got to watch a bunch of uh, a bunch of Tick yeah. on TV and read comic books. Like this was such a fun topic to research. I'd watched the the new Amazon series when it came out, but I hadn't hadn't dove back into the the OG Tick goods for quite a while. So it was fun to kind of pass through those fields again. Yeah, man, this property, you know, has has been a part of my life since childhood, since I guess '96 when uh, when when the cartoon came out. But I've had such a love for this character and this property and its sense of humor. Like if there was anything that was, that was to use the term that tick uses so often, you know, destiny or something that was destined to be a part of my life. It had to have been this, like the sense of humor is exactly the kind of thing that we're into, you know, like it's, it's, it's the absurdity of like, of like a naked gun or, or airplane or hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Like I, I, I love it. Yeah. I I love, it's got that kind of, uh, the strange and unusual is is a bit matter of fact, and everyone's just a little thick. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, and so the stuff that that should be you know shocking or or incredibly strange is just kind of standard stuff going on. Yeah, a, a, a man, you know, a big muscle man in a blue suit with antenna and a mask drops from a rooftop and sticks into the ground, uh, you know, into the cement. And it's not weird to people. Yeah. It is a parody of the superhero genre and and any other genre it can get its hands on as it kind of moves through its different iterations. Yeah. And and I love that. Like the the fact that he can put on like a tie and grab a handbag and now he is in disguise. And uh, yeah. It works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of playing on, you know, the whole, how can you not tell that Superman thing? Yeah. Very directly on that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a pretty one to one comparison. So the Tick has been in what well, started off in comic books. We had the cartoon series in '96. That was uh that was when we were little, you know, perfect age for it. '96? Uh, I thought it was '94, but maybe it was '96. Oh, maybe it ran from '94 to '96. Yeah, it had three seasons. The math checks out. Yeah. Let's say '94. That era. We were that. Yeah. about that old. <laughs> and then they had a uh, they had a live action series that ran for one season, one short season in 2001. 
And then, like you mentioned, the uh, the Amazon series in 2016, I think the first season was. That sounds I heard 2016 right. and 2018, but... If only there was a way for us to find this information. <laughs> you know, let, let's, uh, let's depend on the, on the ever-vigilant <laughs> listeners to, uh, to go ahead and send us a line at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. Tell us what time or what year the tick... Amazon series Do came out. Do our work for us. <laughs> Just send us a message. I'm desperate. 2018's probably about the time I watched it. See, 2016 seems like it was too long ago. It doesn't seem like it's been five years since that first season yeah. dropped. Yeah, I feel that. I can dig that because the second season's out now and I haven't watched it. I watched like the trailer for it mm -hmm. and uh, it looks cool. His costume looks way better in it. Yeah, I think I saw pictures of that where it's more chunky and bulky and less like weird little sinews and and yeah, it's yeah, it's more smooth. It's more like it looks more like a body, and the other one had like weird angles, yeah, stuff all over it that uh, was a little funny. Yeah, it looked more like a suit. This more looks like maybe it's just something stretched over his bulk. Yes, yeah, I think I saw one still of it, and I was like, hey, that's different. Yeah. So, do you want to start with first impressions or do a little history on it? Uh, let's do a little history on it, I think. All right. Well, uh, Tick is the creation of Ben Edlund. That name has been synonymous with the Tick, even though he's gone on to create for other shows like Serenity and uh, Supernatural. Supernatural. He was big on, yeah. Yeah, and he's got some, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later, some, some very real ties with Venture Brothers. So Ben Edlund was from Massachusetts and he created the tick as a store mascot for New England Comics, a, a comic book store chain up there um, in 1986. And he was just sort of like a little like, hey, buy, buy comics at New England Comics sort of guy, like in store windows or some shit. Yeah, they had a, they had a newsletter. Oh, yes, that's right. He was in the newsletter. And like the first tick comic was a two page spread published in the newsletter for new england comics yeah and did you get a chance to look at that I, I looked at it but uh i couldn't read it like the picture i found of it the quality wasn't good enough to read so i just kind of like looked at the pictures yeah it's interesting looking at at that early form of the tick and even like the first issue of the comic book um that came out later like there's a lot more black um, you know he's like he's very heavily shaded yeah. he had a pointier nose and like his costume was like more like furry like initially yeah, he had like a furry look to him. It was, it was interesting. It was, it was definitely not the same. Yeah. It was less cartoony and more like standard superhero proportions too. Yeah. Like he gets a little more cartoony as it goes on. Yeah. New England comics decided to get Ben Edlin to do a whole comic book that they put out in 1988, bringing this funny gentleman out of the advertisements and into a book. And he was like fresh out of high school. Yeah, when he created the tick, yeah, he's 18 years 18 old. 18 years old, and I guess he was originally, the, the uh, NEC wanted him to to draw a comic called Hero Forgers for, like, one of the other dudes that uh, that hung around there and was writing stuff. And, like, they, they had, like, hyped it up and were, like, all excited to get it out, and then for some reason it fell through, and they're like, oh, fuck, we need a comic now. And, and they were like, hey, Ben, how about you just do a comic of the tick? And he was like, all right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and ended up doing a, uh, a, a you know, doing the full comic. Took him about a year and a half from starting it to getting it done. So uh, that's a familiar story. I like that. He didn't even have to get that shit funded or colored. 
No, yeah. And it wasn't 40 pages. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben Edlund. But uh, yeah, he got, it, he got it out in about a year and a half, uh, and it came out, yeah, in 88, right? Yes. Yeah, because it was like 86 when they, they kind of started with the idea. He just kind of slowly leaked them out from there over the next few years, because there was, you know, only 12, 12 issues of the, the original tick in total. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the last one came out in like 92 or 93, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I know like the last two issues came out like only like one in a year, each of them. Yeah. And, and I think the, the most that was ever produced was three in one year. It was sold, you know, initially just at the New England comics stores, which there was at least a few of. I don't know how many. Yeah. Eventually it kind of virally spread and uh, got the word out everywhere and, and weaseled its way into other venues, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it leaked out nationally and internationally. And um, caught the eyes of some uh, some big wigs. Uh, I, I think it started at a at a toy company too. But you know, one thing that I that I think is really interesting is that in all the years the Tick has been published, it's only ever been published by New England Comics, which is awesome. Yeah, because that that so often is not the case. You know, independent creators. They could do a, a short run on their own, then maybe take it to Dark Horse or Image or you know any other company that is uh that's a creator owned book uh distributor but it's it's so rare that a property can flourish like that and you know it'd be like if if the ninja turtles were still at mirage or whatever you know like yeah and even though they haven't put out you know like a shit ton of books over the years like you know they have done extra tick books they've done some spin-off books like like paul the samurai and the man-eating cow yep yeah and uh did they do one for cha- chainsaw vigilante i don't remember not that I've read. Okay, but they still have like a line of books that is still put out by New England Comics and you know like it, they're they're also not like a publisher that does other things as far as I know. You know like like they don't have an entire universe or or something. You know it's just it's just the tick and and his cast of characters. Yeah, I know back in the in at least in the the time when the tick was coming out, they had other uh, some other small books from local artists that mm-hmm. they would that they would push out, but I don't think anything saw the success that the tick did. So they might still do some small stuff here and there, but yeah, I don't live in new England. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and you know, interestingly enough, like in town, we've got, uh, the empire's comics vault. And for a while, several years back, they were, they were doing, um, ECV press where they were putting out their own books too. And I had, I hadn't even thought about the parallels until just now, you know, with local artists who like, there's one who's who's gotten big compared to me for sure, but uh, the, an artist named uh, Nooligan who who would do some work with uh, with ECV and like he's got his own like little line of uh, of like DC statues, you know, like his like you know Batman characters in his style or something. I think there may have been some bookends too or something. It's, oh, that's pretty it's interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, John, what was your uh, first impression of the Tick? When did you first encounter this stalwart, you know, force for justice? It, it had to have been sometime between 94 and 96, <laughs> um, but, uh, probably 94. Um, I, I was, I was an avid viewer of the, uh, the Fox kids network stable of shows. You know, I mean, I'm sure they were still playing Batman at the time. Um, so that, that was my jam and I loved, uh, loved the X-Men, you know, loved me some yeah. Spider-Man. 
So the tick fit in just fine. I always liked the uh, the the art style of the show. It's very accessible. It's superhero-y, but not. It doesn't look bad or off-putting. It just looks fun. You know, like, like everything. Yeah. Everything is just very pleasantly constructed. But um, the the earliest episode that I remember is, um, and this was actually going to be my favorite use in pop culture too. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll figure something out, or maybe I'll go more broad for it. And I think it'll be clear after listening to the episode what my favorite use in pop culture is. <laughs> um, but the the episode was uh, ep- season one, episode seven, I believe, which was uh, the Tick versus the Tick. So Tick goes into the into the comic club and he's meeting all these different superheroes for the first time, and he's introducing himself as the Tick. And all I mean, I just rewatched this last night, so it would be so I needed a refresher because <laughs> I mean, I I love that episode, but but there was definitely some things I'd forgotten. Every time he mentions his name to people, you know, their eyes dart back and forth, like oh oh the tick you say, uh. and the reason they're all doing that is because uh, Barry comes on in and he is dressed in a much more insectular. Uh, tick costume he's got a big red tick shaped shield he's got like little arms on his back yeah and he he is as far as he's concerned the tick and this dude is clearly unhinged i oh i wish i would have gotten the name of the voice actor because i love his voice he's he's been in tons of cartoons over the years um not one of the ones we've mentioned in the past in fact i don't i don't think uh what's his name came up even once frank welker i don't think i Ooh, no, I, well, he might be Thrackerzog, actually, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I definitely didn't see his name uh, for certain anywhere. That's wild. That'd be our first cartoon reference that doesn't have any Welker. Fuck it. Let's stop the episode. <laughs> yeah. Frank Welker's in it. Trust me. <laughs> and a huge fight ensues. And I fell in love with the Tick's staunch refusal to give up his name. And like Barry's got this shield that is just like crushing him into a wall. And, you know, he's just like, say, I'm the Tick, you know, just like unhinged, you know, like mashing him in there. And and what's stood out in my head the entire time is he just decides to go on this rant where he just goes, you're Barry, 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 just over and over again. I don't know why, like my, my little kid brain (laughs) just, just lost it. And I just, yeah. And then in that episode, there's the, uh, the midnight bomber, what bombs at midnight or the evil midnight bomber, what what bombs bombs at midnight. midnight. Yep. Just putting bombs everywhere. And, um, yeah, in the end, Barry has to relinquish the name, the tick. That was actually, adapted from a comic book where the events happened almost the exact same. I, I didn't get a chance to reread the comic, but I don't think the Midnight Bomber was in it, was he? No, there was no Midnight Bomber. Okay. No. That was, I think that was just for the cartoon. Yeah. And then in the comic book, uh, Barry actually, they have like superhero law and he had to like relinquish all of his tick assets too, which included like a tick cave and a tick mobile and gadgets and shit. And he went nuts and remained naked for the rest of the... That's right. Yeah. He, he wouldn't wear anything but his tick outfit that he wasn't allowed to wear anymore. <laughs> so that was my first impression was that episode. And that still is my favorite episode. I love it. I love seeing all the other superheroes. Um, the doorman's hilarious. Uh, the sidekick lounge is sad with its dogs <laughs> and apes and, and weird Robins. But no, I, I love that episode so much. Yeah, I just reread that co- that the comic of that mm-hmm. this morning. The, the Sidekick Lounge is 
is a solid parody of sidekicks. Like I, all of the sidekicks are 16 year old circus orphans named Johnny <laughs> with, with pouty lips. Like, the, the pouty lips are important. <laughs> wow. Uh, um, what about you? What was your first impression? Uh, unsurprisingly, do it being as we're the same age, uh, it was also the animated show, but the episode that really stuck out in my mind was the, uh, Neil the Dinosaur. Tick versus Neil the Dinosaur. Was it Neil the Dinosaur or Dinosaur Neil? It was Dinosaur Neil. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. It made me fall in love with Tick's attitude for everything, you know, that he's like, they're taking a day off. He's super excited to go to this dinosaur dig. And they've got like a this scientist named uh, Dinosaur Neil who's dressed up in a dinosaur costume. Yeah. Uh, why not? That that uh, he wears all the time. Like, it wasn't like just for, for work. Like, he ends up showing up in later episodes and marrying Dot. In his dinosaur costumes. Oh, still. I forgot they got married. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing them dating. <laughs> but yeah, Dinosaur Neil, uh, you know, gives them a tour and then shows them that he's trying to clone dinosaurs. Um, and, and, you know, and Arthur's like, "That's impossible. Like, you can't do that." Because like, I think I saw that in a movie once. Mm-hmm. He ends up accidentally eating the dinosaur flesh and growing giant and running around and and just the the humor in it really grabbed me because there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of superhero humor that I had encountered before the tick. You know, there was, uh, you know, there was Batman, the animated series, there was the X-Men show, but none of them were really built on comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like superhero comedy up, up until then was kind of unintentional. Yeah. But, but this was before, you know, the time of, of, you know, things that the tick created or like what mystery men eventually came out of, you know, where that something like that can and does exist like like that that is a regular thing that people want to do now you know is yes. is is make parodies of superheroes because they've got so much to work from the audience is ready for it yeah yeah and this was probably my first encounter with like superhero parody well i may have read a few issues of like what the before this mm -hmm. but uh cartoon wise it certainly was and i fucking loved it because i'm a big comedy fan and i really really identified you know felt the humor of it and uh you know it's got tick wrestling his tongue and having to and they're trying to he's like wandering around the city you know they're not sure if he's on a rampage yet he's like trying to call the national guard and he's like they'll only come if he's rampaging he's like hey, he's just kind of <laughs> walking around and then he smashes some buildings up and uh and they've got a giant pair of pants they want him to put on. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's walking around naked. And it's just, I don't know, I, I, I really identified with the humor and enjoyed, you know, the tick being, like, he's kind of dumb and really wholesome, but really, really genuine. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, a, he's very naive, but with a giant heart. Yeah. I remember that episode too when I was younger, like just the whole idea of acetosodicilic acid. And he's like, it's aspirin. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, look at that. They're they're teaching you too. When I was uh when I was watching that episode last night, that was actually something that stood out to me as like the type of humor that this show has. Like they can go to a pharmacy and with their acetosodicilic acid thing and then ask like how big he is, and you're like, oh, it's that giant dinosaur. And he, he's like, oh, okay, give us a few minutes and gives them like a giant aspirin pill. Yeah, I, I loved his reaction. Was, you know, he's talking about like, you know, it's like one pill for like someone that's normally, you know, 150 pounds or something. And how big is your friend? And like, like 180 tons. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like just, you were talking about earlier. Yeah, just like, like super matter of fact. Yeah. The absurd is mundane here. 
in this universe. And then they were interviewing him later, you know, about how big. He's like, was that the biggest prescription you ever filled? And he's like, well, I once made a, a giant throat lozenge. I was like, how big was that? About the size of a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, that really kind of sold me on the tick and, uh, you know, and the genre. Like, I was a huge Freakazoid fan later yeah. on, too. And it, I mean, and it definitely pulled inspiration from the tick i feel see i want to i've been wanting to go back and watch freakazoid because for some reason when i was a kid i i didn't like it it didn't hit me right you know maybe maybe the tick was about as absurd as i could get and and that was just sort of the next level and i was like no like i'm gonna stick with my batman and my x-men yeah it, it was a bit more like it i think it was like an amalgam of like animaniacs yep. and the tick where it was just a little sillier yeah and i didn't like his look but I bet I can get get past it these days. We'll see. So I guess uh, you want to run through. I mean, just go chronologically through the uh, the tick properties. And yeah. Kind of. I think both of us had some time to sample at least uh, all of them recently. I mean, I think we've eaten them before, but uh... yeah, that that's the thing. Like growing up, I was such a huge fan of the cartoon, and when they put it out on DVD, I bought the DVDs. I don't have them anymore. I don't know what I was thinking. Every once in a while, I just have like a mass dvd exodus where i'm like if i'm not watching something it's gone but like i remember there i remember that there was a comic book when i was younger you know i knew there was a comic but i didn't read it until i was probably in my 20s those are my two major exposures i remember when the first live action series came out maybe i should just wait until we start talking about those yeah okay so it starts with a comic book back in 1988 like we uh like we said this one's interesting because it it opens up with the Tick in a straitjacket, talking about how bored he is and how he's just going to get out. Yeah, he's been in this mental institution and uh, he's he's just bored, so he's going to leave. And he does. Yeah. Because he's the Tick. There's no, they're not going to be able to hold the Tick. And, you know, talking about the character, the Tick, like, that is who he is. Like, what you see at face value is all you're going to get. He doesn't have a secret identity. He doesn't have a secret origin. As far as he's concerned, he's not wearing a suit. Like, that's, that is just him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he never takes it off. He never breaks character. Like, he, he, he doesn't have a backstory ever. Yeah. In, in any of the permeations, he doesn't, it doesn't explain who he is or where he came from. They kind of delve into the fact later on in some of them, like, about who he is. But, uh, yeah, I like that he's, he's, a, he's an enigma. He's, he just is the tick and he's nigh invulnerable. Yes. Yeah, there are certain things that that will become um, staples throughout uh, every iteration that starts with the comic books. Like he uh, he loves to to be on the top of buildings and and leap across them and cause destruction as he does because he's he's got he's got quite some mass on him. You know, he's he's a big dude. Yeah, and, and I love that that it shows him like destroying the roofs as he's running across yes. them. Yeah, <laughs> which is so fun. Because, I mean, it's one of the things where it's playing on the superhero tropes of them, you know, swinging around and doing all this stuff. And they don't show the property damage. They don't show his, like, legs dangling through somebody's ceiling. Yeah. Because he fell through their roof. And, I mean, it happens on, like, page three when he's, like, leaping off a rooftop. You see, you start to see crumbles coming off. And, like, when he lands on the next page, it, like, cracks and he falls off the roof. You know, like, that's another thing. Like, he he always seems to find a way to fall off a roof in the beginning. Of uh, of his stories, yeah, roofs are tough. Yeah, <laughs> and you, like you said, he's nigh invulnerable, and that's uh, that's 
very uh, specific. You know, he's not invulnerable. Like, he feels things. When he hits the ground, it hurts, but he recovers quick. You know, he's like a cartoon character. Yeah, he probably has a weakness. Yeah. You don't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, he's he's scared of things. Like, his mind is probably <laughs> his biggest weakness. Yes, probably. He's, he's, he's kind of a big dope. Um, he, he's like a puppy. All heart, but boy, is he, he's like a golden retriever. You know, just... Not much happening there. <laughs> he loves his rooftop monologues. You know, oh, like, yeah. It's like his his own little narrations, you know, talking about, about the city calling to him and him answering the call. And I guess the one you opened up the show with <laughs> was a good one. Um, and then one thing that I, that I love that goes throughout all of these properties is his love of destiny. I love that that is a, a big thing for him, that it's like, like these things are happening because they're destined to. It's like, don't question it. You know, Arthur questions things, but, but he's like, don't don't question it. It's it's destiny. Here we are. We met each other and we're doing this thing. Yeah, exactly. He's just, he is cruising through and life is putting before him what needs to be put before him. Yeah. Like a, a very like Dirk Gently, you yeah. know, holistic detective very much. idea. Some of the things in the comic that I, that I really enjoyed were the, uh, the role of ninjas, because in the in that point in the eighties, like ninjas were fucking huge everywhere. Ninjas were. I think I went as a ninja for Halloween at least five times because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's what you did. I think I did that as late as like twenty twelve. So yeah, exactly. So ninjas were huge, and uh, the way ninjas were portrayed in the Tick was brilliant. You first encounter them, and they're like they're you know kidnapping some people, and they're chasing him. But then, like, in the next issue, you see them, like, they've got, like, a, they have staff ninjas at the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's, like, a ninja union, and they want, uh, they want their rights. And then when, when it gets into, the like, the big ninja plot, where the ninjas are chasing after, you know, um, what's her name? Uh, Oedipus? Yeah, Oedipus. The, uh, the Electra. Yep, the Electra analog. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and they're all just like uh, calling each other like Steve and Harry and they're all really incompetent. <laughs> yeah. I love how, how the ninjas are just, they are just dopes. They're dopey henchmen. And I, I love how even in the first issue, like they, they see tick drop off a building, land on the ground and survive. So two henchmen are just like, we're ninjas. Like we, we can do this too. And then they hit the ground. And I love the, uh, the, uh, sound effects when they hit one is rutch. And the other one is Splud. Ugh, Splud, and, that and, doesn't sound good. You know, Rutch actually happens again in a later issue. I just happened to see like a little a little clip out on a video I was watching and it, and it showed a page and it was a giant Rutch. And I was like, what a weird word to, to keep using. They disguise themselves as hedges by holding a stick and standing <laughs> around a building and, and fools people <laughs> yes again like 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 you're saying you know the absurd is normal you know like people are just like oh it's a it's a hedge oedipus's dad's like i don't remember having a hedge out there yeah. <laughs> he's just like oh well <laughs> uh and as you were talking about with the sound effects i think this comic was the first one that i encountered where he would use verbs as sound effects which yeah. i know is something that you also love. I well love it. I do it. And Ryan Brown from God Hates Astronauts does that in a big, bad way. And like even his his sense of humor, like I could see him being a big Tick fan. And yeah. he's the right age, too. Yeah, where like the sound effect will be like drop or 
punch or, yeah. or, you know, concentrate. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, like, like I, I'm sure I've seen God hates astronauts. Like when, if somebody gets punched in the dick and it says like nut punch or something like that, like, I, I love it. Oh yeah. I think I used a uh, slip in the, uh, in the yeah, space oddities called definitely. open. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the first place I saw that rather than, you know, like all the, the standard sound effects. Like he got real creative. I guess, is that real creative or is it less creative when you're just putting the verb in either way? I love it and it works and it's funny. Yes. For, for his purposes, it is more creative because he was doing it to break conventions rather than yeah. to be lazy. Yeah, And I don't know if, if people had done that much before him, but uh, it was the first place I ever saw it. Yeah. Good call. What was fun about going back and reading the comics again was I had forgotten just how heavy of a Superman parody the first oh, two or three issues or two issues. Like, it's fucking nuts. You've got a reporter named Clark Oppenheimer who's, you know, who tries to save him from a from a train and gets run over. And, uh, you know, he wears the glasses. He's He's got the suit. He's a reporter at the, I think it's called the Weekly World Planet. Yeah, or, yeah, the, uh, yeah, or the daily world news or something like that yeah, yeah and oh shit i've got it right here it's and his his boss is perry beige yeah it is nuts <laughs> just how how uh how one-to-one it is like he is superman i love he finds he finds the crystal in the desk and he pulls it out and he's like marlon brando yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his uh, fortress of like what was it like the fortress of fortitude of fortitude yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it's the weekly world planet paper they're aping Superman hard. He's got the glasses. He's got the, instead of the little S curl, he's got like a little like waggle of yeah, hair. Yeah, super, and... super wave out. And, you know, and that that's where they where they bring in what you were talking about earlier about how he's like, oh, I need a secret identity so I can take his hat back. And he puts on a tie and a handbag and nobody recognizes him at all. Oh, and I love the shot where, where Tick breaks his glasses and then, uh, what, what was the, uh, Billy. Billy, yeah. Billy comes out and he, and he does the little hand glasses. <laughs> That's so funny that right as you did that, I had just yeah. flipped to that page. Uh, I've got the graphic novel in front of me for anyone who's saying, like, what the hell are you talking about? It's just fucking a brilliant parody. Yeah. My secret identity hypnotic disguise glasses. That extra tickled me, you know, that, that it was so Superman-y and I'd totally forgotten. And, like, you know, he gets the upper hand on uh, on on Clark. By pulling out a green eraser, or an eraser, essentially, and saying it's, you know, his... Uh... Otter Creekerite. Yeah, Because <laughs> he's right. from Otter Creek. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It seems like with, with issue three, like you were talking about having the, the Oedipus, the Electra uh, analog, it seemed like maybe he took a page out of uh, Ninja Turtles, who were, uh, you know, th they made their bones oh, parodying Daredevil. Like, they, you know, the, the Foot Clan was the hand... Um, you know, well, I don't know what, what the one-to-one -one shredder is, but you know, it was, it was very much a daredevil, uh, send up. And so, you know, he was doing kind of the same with Electra here and all the ninjas. Well, cause yeah, cause Ninja Turtles were big at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they had, uh, blown up yeah, and he continues to kind of parody stuff like the, uh, was detective Angus McGuire is, is it, uh, McGinnis McGinnis. Yeah. Is a clear, Dick Tracy thing. He's got the little TV watch and, and all the wacky bad guys. That's where we got Chairface. Yep. And the forehead yeah, and zipper neck. And blister brown. And <laughs> the, <laughs> all, I, was it the cleft or whatever? Or no, the something the guy would like where his eyes are all 
I don't remember. In. I, I oh, remember man. seeing that that spread there, and I was like, "Man, I should I should stop and take a note of every one of these names." And I was like, "Man, we've we've got plenty to talk about." You know, we don't really talk about things on this show that we don't love. Like these are all properties that we yeah. have a lot of love for. But this one has brought so much like joy and laughter, even just doing research, like just 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 calling out something they did, like causes me to to giggle. Like I I, I appreciate this property so much for what it does. And, and it's cool that he was able to cram all this lampooning and parody and and, you know, everything that's there. And a lot of it gets played out again in the in the other series mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. But like this was like what? six years and 12 issues. Yeah. And, and it's all just solid gold. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and that was the thing that was hard to take notes about because when you're, when you're reading these or watching these, you, it would be like doing an episode on airplane or a naked gun movie where you can't just sit here and like note every single joke and they're just flying at you like every other line, you know, and it's, it's it's interesting because I, I could just sit here and go, it was really funny. It was really funny. It, those jokes were great. But, you know, it doesn't sell it. Like, it's almost like, hey, everybody, go see this so you can catch lines like ninjas aren't dangerous. They're more afraid of you than you are of them. And then that's it. Like, that, it's just a throwaway line in one panel that makes me laugh my balls off. But it, that's it. It's done. You know, yeah. that, that's all it is. It's a gag. Or, or, or just names like the reporter, Sally Vacuum. <laughs> yeah, why? Why not? <laughs> yeah, or the tick uh, rescuing Oedipus from a, uh, from a tightrope she was trying to walk, a- walk across, and then she's hanging over the ninjas. So Tick, like, just runs and grabs her and gets to the other side in the window. And, like, his, his fir- the first thing he says is, how did I do that? <laughs> like, I can love it. I don't know. I have to put a voice on it uh, myself. Yeah, or throwing or, a chimney at at ninjas. <laughs> he just throws a chimney. He, he threw a chimney at us. <laughs> and interestingly, like one of the big differences on the comic from everything else is that Arthur doesn't even show up until like the third or fourth issue. Yeah, I think it's the fourth. Yeah, after after the tick has pretty much destroyed the ninja headquarters, Ninja Land or whatever it was. <laughs> Whereas everything else, like he's kind of right there at the beginning. And his character design over uh, through the comic changed a lot by the end. Like by the end of the comic, he looked a lot more like he did in the cartoon. But like when he first shows up, he's like much taller and like his head's like tall and skinny and he's all. Like, yeah, he still had like the, the bulbous torso. Yeah. Which I which I like because, you know, that and that was one thing Angelina commented on when she was uh, watching the cartoon with me is just like, oh, wow, like he's not you know, superhero proportioned. Like he's a regular dude. He's, he's yeah. an accountant. He's, he's got he's a little turbo, turbo dad bod. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that could, that could lead us right into the, uh, to the cartoon here. Yeah. Cause Arthur, uh, plays a much bigger role in this. Well, cause, cause the comic did kind of lead right into the cartoon. Like he, he did 12 issues that ended on a cliffhanger and then went to work on the cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, it's like all right, <laughs> doing this now. Yeah, so I I believe like with other properties, uh, what happened was you know he had the comic book, then toy companies got interested in him, and then what do you do after you know when you're making a toy, you make a cartoon to go with it. I don't have much on the on the actual process of the cartoon like starting up and getting made. If you've got some of that in your notes. I didn't even know it was initiated by toy companies. Yeah, I, that is what I heard. So if somebody, if if the thing that I was watching, it was a YouTube video. If the thing I was watching is incorrect, then... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. 
This is the era for that. This yes. is what they were doing. It would not shock me one bit. It, you know, cartoon, toy, they'll have yeah. it was, you know, one and the same. Yeah, that, the that's 80s, how, like, from 90s. the same area, we got Street Sharks and Cowboys of Moo Mesa and Sky Surfer Strike Force, which I had totally forgotten Biker about. Biker Mice from Mars. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I was thinking the other day, because I, I just happened to see something about Sky, Sur Sky Surfer Strike Force, we should do, like, an episode that's all, like, the other guys of cartoons with, like, all of those properties that I just mentioned. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to talk about Cowboys and Moo Mesa. I didn't really care about that show. The only toy thing that I heard, I, I, I read an interview with Ben Edlund from um, 1992, which was, so it was before he got the, uh, the cartoon gig. Yeah. And uh, I guess they had reached out to Pez to see if they could make a, t if, you know, like, hey, are you guys interested in making a, a tick Pez dispenser? Because in, uh, what was it, maybe issue seven or eight, like, you know, he goes out for Pez. Oh, like they're eating dinner and the ticks like, you know what this dinner needs? Pez. And he goes out to get some Pez and ends up fighting the Red Menace. But uh, I think that was the Red Menace one. Or no, that was the Dick Tracy one. He goes out and meets the, the, the he does the whole thing with Chairface and all that and then comes back. But oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they'd reached out uh, to Pez to see like, hey, can uh, what do you guys think about a Pez dispenser? And Pez was uh, like, yeah, it's fifty thousand dollars up front for you guys. Like, you pay us fifty thousand dollars. And, uh, it, it, you know, and generally the property has to be at least 20 years old. And so well, they're like, well, never mind. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Pez, for your time. I will speak to you in 18 years. <laughs> Which, you know, at this point, it's been more than 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I would buy a, a tick Pez dispenser. I have a feeling that is not a rule anymore. Like with, no. with, with how, how much Pez's, uh, uh, grasp has expanded. Like, I think if something's hot, like, I mean, I'm sure they have like Paw Patrol fucking Pez. They and, do. Yeah. So and they, they did like Bratz ones and yeah. yeah, if, if there's a, if there's a trend, then they'll, they'll get on that. Yeah. It's capitalism at its finest. But like at that point they hadn't even done Ninja Turtle ones yet. Like they did do Ninja Turtle ones, oh, but it wasn't wow. until like the the mid nineties. Man, until old man Pez finally kicked the bucket, and then uh, <laughs> you know, Thomas Pez Junior. got to take over the company and actually make some real dough. What does Pez stand for? It's it's a shortened version of the German word for peppermint. It's like Fez Fezferments. Okay, Fezferments, and yeah. So because uh, the original candies were peppermint. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, I, I had a feeling it it, it had so, it was shortened from something. Um, so in this cartoon series, we had the brilliant Townsend Coleman playing the tick. Like, this is forever my tick. We were like 12, 12 to 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was, this was our formative tick. So, yeah, this is our voice for the tick. Any voice you heard at that age is the voice. Like, the, like, uh, Kevin Conroy Batman. Yeah, I was fucking trying to think of Optimus Prime's name. Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen, yeah. Like, Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. And that just won't ever change for us. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you could do a good job, but uh, you're not going to do the right job. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> similar to, like, when Troy Baker does um, either Batman or Joker. His are, they are very, I mean, his Joker especially is so Mark Hamill like influenced like you can you can find little bits where it's not he could trick you into thinking yeah. it, it was mark hamill but um but you know mark hamill is our joker you know when i read when i was reading tick comics um just to to research here like i was reading it in 
uh, Townsend Coleman's voice. Yeah, and Arthur, same way. Like, yeah. I don't know who did Arthur's voice, but that's... Are Arthur's you ready for this? Me. In the first season, it was Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees. No shit? Yeah. It's really, it's so weird. Even after knowing that to, to listen to him, I'm like, wow, his voice is so much higher than I, you know, would have guessed. Is it his regular voice or he didn't do a voice for Arthur? I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't see seen, him as a, as a voice actor. Yeah, I haven't seen the monkeys in a very long time. Yeah. I believe, uh, Mickey Dolan's, I think he was the drummer and he was the actual vocalist, even though like in the TV show, I believe they, um, they made it. So Davy Jones, Jones was, was doing singing, the singing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, and just a note for the listeners, we always joke about us being old men. For the record, we are not old enough to have, uh, <laughs> to have been watching the monkeys when, we, no. when, you know, when it was first running. That was on Nick at Night. <laughs> yeah. Cable reruns. Um, and, but after, after the first season, Rob Paulson took over. Now, Rob Paulson, you may know as uh, Yakko. Uh, oh, from the yeah. Animaniacs, and okay. he's done a shit ton of stuff, one of which I'll, I'll mention in a second. And then, just to throw this out there, the voice of Deflator Mouse was Cam Clark. Now, this is a fun little little crossover thing. Townsend Coleman was also the voice of Michelangelo on the Ninja Turtles. Okay. Which is weird, because I can't hear it. No, that doesn't sound the same at all. Good yeah. voice actor. Yes. Good yeah. job. Rob Paulson was the voice of Raphael in the Ninja Turtles. Oh. And Cam Clark was the voice of Leonardo in the Ninja Turtles. Wow. Yeah. yeah we had there we three go. of four there. I don't know. Uh, the, Donatello wasn't there. He missed out. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, those voice talents, like, bravo. Oh, man. I don't have the list in front of me, but there, there, uh, there were some recognizable names, including Roddy McDowell. It must have been just before he died. He did um, uh, a voice. I can't remember the name. Fuck. I, I don't know the dude's name, but... Uh... I recognized his voice that did Chairface's voice was totally the narrator from a Bard's Tale. Okay, I don't know a Bard's Tale, but it's the, it's the the video games, the Bard's Tale video games. Oh, okay, he it was absolutely the narrator from that. I don't and know. I believe he also did a voice in Gargoyles, like or like I I remember Ooh. his 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 voice being like oh I think maybe he also did one in like the in that Conan animated series. Like I remember him saying the the term Lemurian something or other, and like I don't know why I just hear his voice saying Lemurian. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look that up. He's got a great villain voice. Oh, so good. There there is so much uh like a James Earl Jones, how there there's just built in power and respect in there. Gravitas. Yeah, or like a um Count Dooku. Yeah. Oh, totally. Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Absolutely. Lee kind of voice for sure. Um, okay, so I want to do a little little exercise with you. Ooh. Do you do you remember the uh the episode Tick versus the Uncommon Cold? Uh, not, not re- super well, but uh, it's one of my favorites. I didn't get to rewatch it, but I've never forgotten it. But there, there are snot clones of Arthur and, uh, and yeah. Tick. Um, but there's also a villain called Thrackerzog, who's, uh, who's a big alien creature who's got like a, a, another little mouth that shoots out of it and, and has sharp teeth and makes little, little wisecracks. But throughout the entire episode, like Tick's getting his name wrong and he's, you know, trying to correct him. So I'm going to say a line, I'm going to point at you, and then, oh man, th- this, this may be a complete failure, in, in which case we can we'll just cut it out of the episode. Yeah. But um, every time, either, either say, like, you know, correct me that it's Thrakerzog, or just say no, either way. And, and every time I point at you, just, just that, that's the exchange, okay? Okay. 
It's your it's your turn now, Thoras Bog. Thrakazog. We were only serving humble pie, Watchamazog. It's Thrakazog. Thorax and a bog? Four yaks and a dog? Thrakazog. Ah, laxative log. Thrakazog. Sapsucker frog? <laughs> Thrakazog. Susan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to which tick. he replies, now you're doing it on purpose. How juvenile. I fucking love that exchange so much. Thank you very much. That, that worked out really well for me. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just ending with Susan. <laughs> um, okay, and then something else I want to bring up about this uh, this show is the theme song. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't, I, uh, for the listeners, I haven't listened to the Batman episode because I was drunk and I'm afraid I did a really terrible job, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but, so I don't know if I brought this up, uh, during the Batman episode, but there's a bit of shenanigans going on here. Shenanigans, you say? With the theme song? Yes. Oh. All right. So I'm going to, I'm just going to play, I'm going to play this. We can cut out however much of it we want to. This is the regular tick theme. Sorry to make you listen to the whole thing, but but it was important because you know you've got the the main and then in the end with the with the build up. Okay, I'm gonna play for you a different theme song. All right, don't tell me what it is until after you play it. Oh, you'll know it. But I'm shocked nobody got sued over this, like for real. Some bullshit, huh? Whoops. Whoa. That's brave and the bold, right? That is brave and the bold. Oh, in fact, yeah, that is that is very similar. That next one coming up was in was in a is in a slightly different key, which because I listened to the when I was showing that to Angelina last night, uh, just pointing that out. Um, it was in like the same key, even, and I don't know if I mean I don't see why somebody would have pitch adjusted it, but I don't know, man. Like it is so similar that that a lawsuit absolutely would go to court. Yeah, but uh, to what end, you know? I yeah. mean, 
Well, I mean, it's like that, like that, uh, that musician that sued the uh, Saban group for the X Men theme song. The do 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 because there, there is a, there's a song that that has that. I mean, it's it's a really cool sounding song that that has that at least little little main riff. I meant to look up the composer to see if it was just like the same yeah, the guy. The same guy just he kind just, of recycling his stuff. Yeah, he's all let's just make a little little faster, a little big band, take out the uh, the scat lyrics. Yeah, well, they had to do that. <laughs> they would have been completely fucked then. Though, though the tick theme would not have been entirely out of place with Brave and the Bold if they just stuck the entire theme in there. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. It still would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the things that made the cartoon so good was that Ben Edlund was still super involved in it. Like, he wrote every... He was at least involved in the writing of every episode. He had a decent amount of creative control, and... Uh, like it definitely bore his humor all over it. Yeah, the the reports are, you know, that that he had a huge amount of control over the cartoon series. And it seems like with every iteration, more people get involved and he has less control over it. Um but with the cartoon series, absolutely. And yeah, I love that at least in the cartoon and the the first live action series, like you just you see his name right up top. Like he is yeah. top dog on these things, and I'm like, that's that's good, you know. Like th- that's another thing with like with like with the uh, NEC Comics being the only publisher of that. Like you don't see somebody staying so involved for so long with something. Even even Eastman and Laird, like you know, yeah, Peter Laird left for wait, was it Laird the left? No, it was Eastman that, that that like sold his rights to to the to the thing and left for years and had to like you know, come back in and work on Turtles again without being an owner. You know, it's, it's... Well, yeah, because, yeah, the Turtles definitely got handed off and kind of became their own thing separate from what the comic was. The Tick has stayed shockingly accurate to the original comic. Yeah, and I, I saw, I was watching a, um, like a documentary, I mean, I guess a documentary, you know, a, a show on on the Tick, and it was, it was interesting how they, they pointed out that it almost seems like Ben Edlund just has his regular core concept for the tick and just reinvents it slightly for each generation. Yeah. You know, every, every five, 10 years. Yeah. It's like, this is the same character, but you know, it's for you guys now. And maybe that's why, you know, the cartoon is, is our favorite and, and why, I mean, initially, I mean, you want to get into the first live action series? Yeah, no, let's do it. When that live action series was announced, we started seeing pictures I rejected it wholeheartedly. Like this, this was probably my first instance of like fanboy, fucking <laughs> precious, you know, property like hatred of anything new. Because I saw that picture with Patrick Warburton's like open mask yeah, open with his face. face. I'm yeah. like, get this guy the fuck out of here. I know his voice. He doesn't sound like Townsend Coleman. Uh, you know, all these motherfuckers. What are they doing? Uh, you know, like I, I. I will admit that I didn't ever even give it a fair shake. I remember watching a couple episodes back in the day, but my memory of it was fuck that show. Yeah, I remember it being okay, but not as good. Um, and then I, you know, I went back and uh, I ended up buying the first season for this because it was eight bucks on Amazon. So I was like, all right, I, I want to watch at least a couple episodes. Why not? Yeah. And uh, the first thing that struck me was like, oh, Joe Swanson is is the tick. Who? <laughs> from, oh yeah 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 <laughs> from family guy because yeah. uh the patrick warburton you know he is not a dynamic voice actor 
No. Like he, he sounds like himself. Yeah. And, and when Angelina heard him, she's like, is that Kronk? I was like, yep. Yeah. Or Kronk. I can't remember yeah. his name. I think he was just a bit too hammy. Mm-hmm. You know, which I mean, is, it's hard to say because the tick is not, uh, not a ham-free property by any means. But it was just a little too over the top, maybe? I don't know. See, the, the one thing, I, I only went and watched the pilot because I'm, I'm purposely going to, I'm going to go back and watch the rest of the series. But I, I, I wanted to stop then because I was like, this is, this is a really interesting perspective to me, at least. That like, you know, like I said, I, I didn't give it a chance. I watched that last night. I thought it was really fucking funny. Oh no, it, it, the the jokes are solid. They hit. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was more it was more adult than I than I remembered it. Like yes, it in was. in the beginning like somebody's calling some somebody or something a bitch. You know, you've got Christopher Lloyd yeah. as Arthur's boss, right? you know, talking about a dude who bought a jetpack and saying the poor bastard needs, needs a, machine a machine to, to poop. poop. And that comes up over and over <laughs> again. I love it. Yeah. I mean, fucking so in this one, instead of Deflator Mouse, you have Batman Well, played by Nestor Carbonell, who ended up being the uh, the mayor in the Dark Knight movies. Yep. Um, and he's talking about, you know, how he saves women, which is like a thin, thinly veiled, like he bangs women. He he's like, sometimes three times in one night. night. <laughs> like, holy shit. He's got, so instead of uh, American Maid, you've got Captain Liberty, and he's holding on to her panties. You're yeah. like, whoa, like, yeah, shit. Like when you first meet her. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it is decidedly less uh less children centric like it's even more adult than the comic book was yeah yeah very much so that i i have a note of that saying like wow this is it's inspired by the cartoon but definitely aimed at an adult audience mm-hmm. it, which is weird because like the the acting and the way it's written and the things that happen are still very cartoony mm-hmm. you know it's not uh you know it's not dealing in like heavy subjects or anything yeah, like it, it opens up with him at a bus station and he he helps a guy who whose money got eaten by a vending machine, but he treats it like it's like a like a serious crime. Um but I mean like Tick has like like a uh, like an opening monologue in that that like for some reason I was able to separate myself from the cartoon this time around and I heard Patrick Warburton do it and I was just like, yeah, like this it, that's it's not Townsend Coleman, but this works. This is still the tick. Yeah. And apparently he was a, he was a fan of the comic book and the cartoon. Also. Oh yeah. You know, it didn't seem like he was doing a, um, a Townsend Coleman impression, but getting back to what you were saying about it being too hammy, I think where it went wrong for me a couple times was he broke the fourth wall a couple times and looked at the audience and I, I didn't need that. Like, this, like it, it, this was 2001, John. That's what they all did. <laughs> um, and then his narrations seemed misplaced a couple times. Like when he was, yeah. when, when it was in the middle of other things happening, like, no, like oh, bookend the episode with narrations. That's it, what the cartoon did so well. Yeah. I had a note on here saying there's a bit too much self-narration of what's going on. Like yeah. he would stop and like explain what he was doing. Like he was narrating for himself rather than. Then, you know, like you're saying, bookending it or, yeah, yes, I agree. And, and, and on the like fourth wall note and stuff, like it gave me, it, it felt very of its time. Like it is very late nineties, early two thousand sitcoms. Like it, it kind of felt like Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. But the tick. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Just the whole way it was produced and done and which is not necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but, uh, it, it felt a little. Uh, you know, it just felt very of its time, which is fine for yeah. me. 
I, I lived in that time and it was good. Yeah. And you know, the, the suit itself looked pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, the open face is weird and I understand it because contrasting with the, the suit from the second live action one where they put the like little, they kind of closed the eyes off, mm-hmm. but didn't do lenses over them because the tick's eye expressions are important. You cover up someone's eyes and it's really hard to get physical emotion reads off of them. Yeah, I think like the only way they could do it these days, I was thinking about this earlier today, is if they took a page out of like the Deadpool or Spider-Man book yeah. where, where they do the CGI eyes that can expand and contract to to do something. Um, but even that's a dangerous game, you know, especially yes. with, with something like Tick's got giant eyes and he's very expressive. So yeah. like it, it could end up looking entirely too fake on top of a on top of a live action uh body patrick warburton to his credit has the jaw you know as close to the jaw as you can get in real life yeah like, yeah he, <laughs> he's he's got a big head <laughs> <laughs> oh and and i love that in this you know they they broached the topic of the tick and sexuality in that with uh with Batman well, you know, making all these allusions to fucking and stuff. And like there's a few times where Batman Well's like, if you get my meaning. And he's and, like, nope. Yep, nope. And yeah, he's <laughs> he's blissfully ignorant. I love it so much that it, it just it doesn't it doesn't factor into it. Um and then we get the the great, great quote from the first episode that I had to rewind like three times so I could so I could uh write it down properly where it says destiny dressed you this morning my friend and now fear is trying to pull off your pants if you give up if you give in you're going to end up naked with fear just standing there laughing at your dangling unmentionables like <laughs> you know i mean to be honest like i'm sold on on this on this show at least from the first episode i mean they, i think it's only eight or nine episodes nine Maybe. yeah i watched the first five and uh, no they're good they're i mean they're worth watching for sure i don't regret my eight dollar purchase at all the second episode opens up for some reason with them at like the one year anniversary of meeting and and they're like remembering how they all got together i guess or how they all like became a team it's just a really weird weird framing device it's a very 2001 framing device oh shit and uh and it i don't think it really helped necessarily but that episode is good like it's got the terror in it you know, they're, they're pulling stuff from the comic. I mean, like the the intro gags when he meets Arthur are the same in every single tick. Yes. Yeah. The going through the apartment and seeing if things are you know, like thinking it's a secret hideout. And like, what does your couch do? Folds out into a bed. Yep. Mm. Every time. And yep. uh, you could tell Ben Edlund's still writing because mm-hmm. the tick, you know, they're not reusing all the lines. They're coming up with all kinds of new good ones. Yeah. And and. And like the, the Arthur scene is, you know, pretty parallel to the, uh, to the cartoon, you know, like yes. Arthur's an accountant who, you know, feels the need for something more and, uh, He's at his job in his suit, yeah, yeah, wearing his moth suit at his accounting job. I don't, I don't remember anything about the theme to it. Was there a theme or did it just open up? There isn't in the pilot, but there is in the rest of the episodes. Uh, okay. So um, I'll, I'll judge it later. Um, I mean, I guess they upgraded, well, they kind of upgraded the, uh, the female lead character from, from American maid in the cartoon to, uh, Captain Liberty. But the problem is in the cartoon, American maid, she's the only competent superhero in the city. 
Yes, you know, you've yeah, got everyone fucking, else is. Yeah, Batman Well, Caped Chameleon, Sewer Urchin, you know, Agrippa, like nobody, I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Nobody is good at what they do except her. She's a fucking badass, but she's dressed up as a maid, which, you know, isn't necessarily such a bad thing, but I could see people, you know, that's saying the, it's demeaning. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and But in this one, her name's Captain Liberty. And she, you know, comes in on a helicopter and she's got resources and shit, but then she's just sort of shoved aside as somebody who fucks Batman well. And in the, in, in the rest of the episodes, she is definitely a more competent hero. Good. Um, and Batman well is not. Yeah. He, he shouldn't be like him and deflator mouse. Like they're, they're not there for combat. Well, on those notes, I think the other interesting thing that I liked about about each of these iterations, um, and probably is just something Ben Edlin likes to do because he has lots of interesting character ideas, is like Deflator Mouse and American Maid aren't in the comic. No, not at all. So, like each one, they've get, he adds like new unique characters, probably because he just sit around like <laughs> Batman. Well, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I I even had a note at the top of my notes where where I was going to say like, forgive us for the lack of focus when speaking about characters because all all of them have such great casts that don't cross over. Yeah, like some of the villains cross over. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the uh, terror, the terrors, and literally everything. Yeah, to some degree. I think he's he's probably the only one because Chairface didn't show up in in any of the live action ones, as far as I know. For reasons that uh, are fairly obvious, <laughs> a, a man with a chair for a head is a little difficult to do in live action. They could fucking do it. They could I, do it now. And and you know, and we'll we'll get to it. But I don't think it would have fit in with the style of the Amazon show. No, probably not. Like like it would have fit in with the humor of the the two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, they definitely didn't have the budget for something no. like that. Yeah, what do you think? You want to take a break? Yeah, sure, why not? Welcome to the Movie Cellar, where we have a VHS collection. So many fucking VHS tapes. An internet connection. It's acceptable. And extremely uninformed opinions. That you're kind of understating it. My name's Dan. I'm George. And I'm producer Chris. George, I really liked your interjections there. Yeah, it was a good um, back and forth. So we're cutting a promo, so we should probably tell people what the fuck we do. Yeah, what do we do, yeah. producer Chris? What do you we produce? We are a podcast that watches VHS tapes in alphabetical order. Yeah, man. That's basically it. We start the show with two movies on board from a certain letter of the alphabet. We flip a coin between them, take a brief intermission while we watch it, and then we come back and we talk about it. This one's way more boring. Nah, like this I one sounds this good. good. This makes us sound like we know what the fuck we're doing. We don't. It's uninformed, man. Oh yeah. shit, we're out of we're time. We're out of time. Bye. Hey, John. Did you have a good break? I did. Yeah, I got to watch a uh, couple minutes of a of the end of a terrible. Well, I cannot judge the movie, but the couple minutes of the end that I saw of that Liam Neeson Ice Road Trucker movie was really stupid. Yeah, did not uh, did not bode well for the rest of the movie. And my wife, who is generally tolerant to total garbage, yes, even said that it was dumb and not really worth watching, even though she watched it to the end. Yeah, and like that's what she does. Like, like she she's not somebody that where it's like if she loves it, you know, it's trash. Like she she doesn't have to love something for us to know it's trash. Like just the fact that like if she calls it out as trash, you know, you you can you can trust that. I mean, I got to give it to her. She's not a quitter. Like yeah. if she's watching a bad movie, 
she will keep watching that bad movie oh, till it's that's over. So weird. <laughs> you ready for a hot take? All right, yeah. Because here's something we haven't hotter the better. We haven't talked about yet. The tick sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, not exactly. But I don't like spoon. Yeah, I could dig that. Oh, okay. I guess that's not such I mean, a hot take. I mean, I don't know if I dislike spoon, but uh, I mean, it's just kind of random, and and I, it, you know, it probably had some comedic value originally because you're like, huh, spoon, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. But uh, twenty years on, it's not going to get any laughs out of me anymore. Yeah, I get the spirit of it that it's like, okay, he needs he needs something to to yell. You know, he needs a mantra. He needs a a battle cry, and what's something totally random? Spoon. Like, okay. Like I, I get the, the thinking behind it, but for some reason, the word spoon for that always just rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never appreciated it, but I mean, like, I can't think of anything better. What's the, is it like cereal box? Umbrella. Or, yeah. Actually, I kind of like both of those better than spoon. So. <laughs> I mean, on the bright side, they don't overuse it. In the comic, at least. In the cartoon, it, they used it a bit more. And uh, in the live-action shows, I don't remember it really p- playing a prominent role. Yeah. So, to your benefit, they you know they, they didn't lean too hard on it. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of live-action shows, we've got one more to talk about. The ye old Amazon series. Yeah. And uh, you haven't seen it, right? No. I, I, a while back, before the second season came out, I watched what I believe to be the first two episodes, and last night I went and watched the pilot, to which nothing looked familiar at all. It was so <laughs> weird to me. So I, I came to the conclusion that I must have been drunk or stoned or something when I, when I watched the first one, which probably not stoned because I don't really do that hardly ever anymore, but it's very possible that I was drunk. And I went, oh, I'm just going to watch it because I love the tick. Um... Long story short, from what I, from the little I've seen, I don't care for it. Yeah? Nope, not a fan. Peter Serafinowicz is a, he, he's gold in other things. And he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant actor, a brilliant impressionist. His impressions are fucking spot on and hilarious. But I do not like his tick. I don't remember how the pilot struck me, but I, I watched that the first season through to the end and uh, I really liked it. Yeah? Well, you're wrong. So yeah, it's, it, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I liked that, uh, you know, his portrayal of the tick is definitely a little different. Character wise, it's definitely still the tick. You know, I think something that, that didn't work out in, in my opinion, if, if this is what he was doing is that Peter Serafinowicz, like I mentioned, is a, is a brilliant impressionist. And I feel like he may have been pulling too much from Townsend Coleman to where like at certain times there were like notes in, in, you know, of, of Coleman in the way he would say words, but then other times it wasn't and it. Like he wasn't, it was like a watered down Townsend Coleman. It just looked like, like kind of an old man doing an impression of the tick. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was weird. It, it just kind of came off flat to me. Like he didn't go like full boisterous, like, like, like the tick is like, holy shit the, in the cartoon. That's one thing I, I didn't touch on earlier, just like the drama and like loud flair of everything he says. He yells everything. Oh my goodness. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, he's also not built like the tick at all. Yeah. Like he, he is 
He's not huge. His head is kind of round instead of tall. Very round head. But uh, you know what? You know, I'm not going to fault the man for not being built like a eight foot tall brick shit house. Yeah, but fucking Peter Serafinowicz, you could reshape your head for the role. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Or if they gave him a prosthetic jaw. Yeah, I, I don't know if that would have made it better or not. But uh, but I mean, the show as a whole, the, the way it's written, like it is, again, I think it's going to be of its time Yeah. <laughs> once uh, we have enough time to look back on it. I like that they, they've got like a through line through the whole story. Like it's not, it's not just like the monster of the week kind of thing. Like the, the show, uh, like the cartoon was for the yeah. most part, you know, the, almost all the titles are tick versus this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one has, has a full story that takes the full, the, uh, you know, the full season to, to go through while encountering some smaller things along the way. And, and, and I think, I think it's probably a bit more palatable for people that aren't into the tick. Like that don't know who the tick is because there's there's more than just the tick going on. Yeah. Well, you know, one one thing that I that I caught from the pilot is that this thing, like it's weird watching it through the lens of a post superhero, you know, engorged world. Yeah. Like they're they're being much more serious yes. with, with the subject matter. And and at least the pilot was so much more Arthur's story. And like he's got like major like psychological issues from having witnessed his dad being killed by a uh, by a, a downed superhero spaceship essentially and it's really interesting like i can't speak for the for the rest of the series but it seemed like they were setting it up for like for for i mean definitely for people to think that arthur is going crazy and imagining the tick but there was even a, a moment or two, like like there was like a flashback or a dream or something to when he was a kid and he heard the tick talking to him. Now, if it was a flashback, then it seems like there's definitely something going on. But if it was just a dream, I get it that that you know that that he's not crazy and that the tick does exist. But like the way the the pilot left off, it was like it was questionable yeah. over whether or not the tick was an actual person or arthur's uh manifestation of like you know his his dreams and desires and that maybe when he was asleep he went and took down this crime ring you know as the tick yeah but, that, that question kind of lingers for a little while too okay in, into the series i mean the whole the whole first season is very much it is very much arthur's story uh, like it, it centers around him and, and him becoming you know a superhero okay and kind of accepting it like he's he's very reluctant to be the hero, which they kind of touch on in some of the other ones, but he's usually over it pretty quick. And, but it is a more grounded, serious, you know, a more, a more grounded world, but it's still silly and a little absurd things that go on, but it's not quite as crazy as the, the previous iterations are. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as like screwball. Yes. Yeah. But, but they still live in a world like, like it's almost like a, like a boy's world, you know, you know, like the boys where it's just like superheroes are a thing, but you know, it, it was kind of weird in a uh, in a tick show, seeing the terror land after that after that ship crashes and they're shooting the superheroes in the head, like right in front of him. And it's like that. I don't I don't want this from from my tick. You know, like that that's this isn't the tick to me. To be honest, I don't like the suit either. Well, I mean, tick's suit one thing, but also Arthur's suit. I do not like the look of that. At all, I think it looks silly. I've heard that that the that the like feathery antenna is uh, is more accurate to an actual moth, but um, 
oh, I don't like that suit. I mean, it's also like the how they how he, Arthur was originally drawn. He had the feathery antennas. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember seeing a couple of those in the comic. Yeah, yeah. And the suit, like the strapping and stuff on it, is very similar to what the suit in the comic is supposed to look like. When they at the end, they don't really go into who it is, but like the the other moth person. Oh, like in the cartoon, it was Carmelita. Yeah, and I think it might have been that in the comic too, but they don't get into who she is. I think they imply okay. that she was the girl he met at the motel. Oh, okay. But uh, but yeah, it's got like the straps, and I mean, it looks pretty much exactly like, like beefy. That. Yeah. Yeah, I you see. I I don't. I don't think I. I don't think it left me with enough to grab onto. I don't think I'm gonna watch it. I mean, I, if I had an infinite amount of time, you know, to watch everything I want to watch all the time, you would go mad. <laughs> yeah, my glasses would break. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I need it. I'm definitely gonna go back and watch the the 2001 series. Holy shit. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was not as, as tick, like it wasn't as absurd yeah. as the old ticks, but, um, I've got a bunch of that already and I'm fine with something being a little different. Um, I don't need them to redo all the same jokes that they did in the other ones. Yeah. I it's, mean, the writing, the writing in it and the, the, the dialogue is still good. Like tick still has all kinds of great lines. And they get in some crazy situations. Uh, I, I, mean, I think it's worth a watch. I enjoyed it. I'm going to watch the second season. Yeah, and and you know they they did do a couple line pulls from old ones. Like he he yeah. said he did the the you're not you're not crazy. You're going or you're not going crazy. You're going sane in a crazy world. And which is weird because you know like Townsend Coleman and and the way he he delivers those lines like it's not a casual thing to him. Like like even just something like that. Like you know it's like pardon my impression you can cut this out but but you know it's like you're not going crazy arthur you're going sane in a crazy world you know it's like there, there's so much like energy built up in there so when you when you hear it a different way it's weird and like you know uh the cartoon like knock off all that evil you know got got changed to like stop your evil ways and it's like ooh, i don't i don't know man yeah john doesn't like it when things change yeah it didn't tickle my pickle but you know that's that's just fine because I'm I'm interested to see what what tick iteration there's going to be in five to ten years from now, you know I'm I'm probably going to hate the shit out of it, but uh, you know yeah if you like it, fantastic you know I'm I'm glad you've got a tick that speaks to you, and, and the the you know the side characters in it are again new and also I think they did a good job with them I think that, I thought they were interesting. Oh shit! And I, I was gonna say the the one thing that I that I do want to give them credit for is the way they handled the apartment scene that we already touched on. Because like in every other iteration, it's the tick going in like, "Wow, what a hideout! Oh, what's this do? You know, what's this? Uh, the couch? Like they do the couch? You know, folds out into a bed in every yeah. single one of them. But in this one, there was a, it was a little more subtle. You got to watch, you got to watch tick thinking those questions rather than asking them like he, he you know he'd be like pushing over lamps and like flicking light switches to try to see what they do rather than just saying what does this lamp do yeah so i i really did appreciate that scene yeah they gave it a little bit more time yeah which I mean, with the the nature of the series and the way tv is now you get a lot more time to develop things and which is i think is good you can develop characters a little bit further i mean tv w is now you know, 
spread out a lot more. Yeah, you're writing for the season rather than just the 22 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I think, like I said, this will probably be a show of its time in 10 years when everyone looks back at it. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, that's very early streaming service original content. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Yeah, just like you were saying with all with all the the you know late nineties early two thousands stuff mm-hmm. from the from that from the other live action show. Everything's got trends to it. Interesting. All right. Um, so, what about tick toys? Did you have any of those? I don't think I ever bought a tick toy. Yeah, I don't think I did either. They didn't say anything interesting. Yeah, like I like I liked the funny part of it. like toys aren't funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from what I, from what I've seen and what I remember, like the, I think it was toy biz that, that put them out. They, they weren't really anything to, to write home about. Like, it's just, it's just a blue, blue tick with like five points of articulation or something. And it's like, did they even have articulation? I thought they, I know they put ones out for the cartoon that were like, they were like rubbery and like you could bend. I think they had wires in them or something and you could oh, bend like the bendable. Yeah. They, they did have traditional ones with, with joints and, and bends and stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. That that like we enjoy the tick for hilarious writing. You know, yeah. like like I don't I'm not gonna have the tick like bounding from my shampoo to my conditioner in my bathtub, you know. Yeah, I'm not clever enough to come up with something funny for him to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would have Tick and Arthur doing taxes. <laughs> Carry the one. Um and I, I know there was a there was a video game because I know I played it for either Super Nintendo or Genesis. Yeah, yeah, Super Nintendo and Genesis. It was out on both of them. Yeah, I feel like I did. I feel like I owned one at one point. Yeah, I, I know I played it, but I don't. That was the one thing I didn't have time to research. Was I? I actually downloaded the ROM, but I didn't have time to play. Oh it. no, shit! Oh man, yeah. I I didn't even think of it until right now, to be frank, because I I mean. We had a comic book, a cartoon, and two different live action series to to uh, worry about. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty stoked that I ended up hitting everything. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched like a very brief video of like someone playing the game and it seemed pretty standard, you know, side scrolling. Late 90s platformer. Up, yeah. You know, with, you know, with the silly characters from the tick. So, uh, yeah, because it was definitely based on the cartoon. Yes. Yeah. If there's something more special than that, then, uh, well, then I missed it. <laughs> we'll have to do a follow-up. If you got the ROM, we can play it. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? You want to go into uh, favorite use in pop culture? I think we should. Let's do it. Uh, why don't you take it? All right. So, um, I bent the rules a little here. Yeah. yeah. Um, with my favorite use in pop culture, which I mean, maybe not really. I went with the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Which is not in the Tick universe and not a Tick property, but uh, would not exist were it not for the Tick and uh, Ben Edlund. I'm glad you brought this back around because I did want to talk about it, but I didn't want to didn't want to overshadow the show with it. So the the background on on this being related is I, I guess Ed, Edlund was he befriended uh, Doc Hammer, one of the creators of the Venture Brothers, when he was in college, and I guess worked on a uh, a short film called Crawley with him. And then he also, uh, Jackson Public, the other creator of Venture Brothers, was a writer on both the 2001 show and the animated show. Mm-hmm. And when Jackson told him he had this idea for the Venture Brothers, he was like, you should go talk to my buddy, Doc Hammer, and kind of put them together. And they went off and created the Venture Brothers, which is 
very much in the same comedic vein as the tick yeah it's taking the piss out of like you know johnny quest and superheroes and and kind of putting it in the same kind of absurdist world where this this stuff's kind of normal yeah kind of it exists yeah and the venture brothers is fucking great i love that show dude the venture brothers was a revelation. Like I, I haven't watched the whole series because they, they took big breaks between seasons. So I know there's at least two seasons I haven't seen. And I really, really want to go back and, and watch it from the beginning. Um, I know it's not going to be Angelina's cup of tea. So no, probably um, not. Hey, and you know, uh, Brock Sampson is Patrick Warburton. Absolutely. Is. I sounds, never even thought about sounds that. Sounds a lot like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> um, but I just, I loved their style, like the art style so bad that like when we were, you know, in the early days of space oddities, I like that was, I, I was like, if I could get any existing like animation team to do space oddities, it would be the people behind Venture Brothers. Yeah. Because I love that style so much and I would love to see our characters in that style. Um, but I, I knew better than to try to draw them in Venture Brothers style because if if you know if if you try and you fail then it just looks like a cheap knockoff and it looks bad well you got to put your own style on you don't want to draw something in someone else's style yeah ben edland actually uh, i don't know if he wrote did full wrote two episodes but i think he did like the story for one and wrote another one yeah i read i read that he he did the full script for one and then broke the story on two episodes and he's the only person who's done any writing on the Venture Brothers outside of Hammer and Public. Yeah. And, you know, I, w- I wanted to make the comparison earlier, but I didn't want to want to spoil anything. But the ninjas in, yes. uh, in The Tick are totally like the henchmen from, you know, the Monarch's henchmen in the Venture Brothers. Like the way they act yeah, and, you know, how they're, they're kind of dopey and they're just sort of, they're more like henchmen for hire. Yeah, they're there for the paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> and like they're they're standing around having like totally normal conversations when uh, no one's looking. Yeah, and complaining about their uniforms, calling or... each other Dave and Greg. You yeah, know? yeah. I like. I would not be a p- doing a full episode on the Venture Brothers at some point. Yeah, because uh, it, it's a it's a hilarious show, and uh, it is definitely an homage. You know, I don't know if an homage to the Tick, but it definitely you know owe, owes some of its success to the Tick or its existence to to Ben Edlund at the very yeah. least. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about properties, we love and why we love them. Like we love venture brothers for the same reasons. We love yes. the tick. What about you, John? What's your favorite oh, use in pop culture? Fuck. Mine is going to be turbo, turbo boring and quick. It's the cartoon from the nineties. I, I don't have a cereal, uh, or a video game or a toy that did more for me than that so like i mean i just i just don't i've i've enjoyed other things but you know that that cartoon series is it for me like i i I watched several episodes last night and i just want i want to watch the entire series i wish i still had those dvds i am upset with myself that i don't but i mean i guess they're on amazon for free with ads but i fucking hate ads yeah and the transfer quality is terrible but I mean, it's, it probably just hasn't, there, there's no reason to remaster it. It didn't do well enough. Yeah. It's not going to be any better anywhere else. Yeah. It's a real shame that, that it didn't catch on as much, or maybe it's not, you know, maybe, maybe we didn't, 
you know, maybe it would fuck the tick over if it did go through like three more different iterations of animated series like the Ninja Turtles. Like I still love my, my original Ninja Turtles, but, and there are highs and lows throughout the years, you know, with, with their popularity and, and new iterations of them. Um, so I guess we've seen it on a smaller scale with the tick, but just those three seasons were, were it. And apparently there was supposed to be a fourth season where, uh, they were going to move in with Carmelita, I read, and then it was going to come out that uh, Carmelita was Barry's sister, and that the moth suit was originally designed for him to wear, or it, it was originally planned for Barry to be the other moth character. Oh, really? Yeah. So that that would have been interesting to to see Barry come back and be like Arthur's arch nemesis. But yeah, man, the voice talents, the writing, just everything about that animated series will you know it's it's got a got a little little space carved out in my heart love it in the era of hyper merchandising the tick did not get as thoroughly merchandised as nearly every other property did true story so there wasn't as much stuff like i don't remember seeing like tick blankets and tick underpants maybe there was tick underpants there were probably underpants because there were there were t-shirts yeah. Um, I, I do remember that. And like maybe baseball caps. I imagine there were some undies. I'm going to look it up right now. But not as ubiquitous as like the Ninja Turtles no. or uh, Transformers or any of the other, any of those other cartoons from that day. Yeah. G.I. Joe. Yeah. If you find tick underwear on there, John, see if they have adult sizes. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to find them. <laughs> this one says i found a tick on my underwear i know embarrassing but i don't see a bite or a bump <laughs> you know that's that's something else to bring up real quick my my least favorite encounter with the tick was when i got one up here the only time i've ever had a tick and i, I found it on, on oh, like, like a real tick yeah yeah like on, on up, up up by like my pelvic bone I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, I had been scratching, and I was like, what the hell? Angelina looked, she's like, that's a tick. And I was like, ah! And she pulled it out with some tweezers. I've probably had, like, 40 to 50 ticks in my life. What the fuck? I spent a lot of time in, the, like, the woods and in the, like, wetlands when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Tall, they're, tall grass. They're out there. I remember hearing a story from my scoutmaster when I was a kid about it. one of his kids getting a tick in the dick. It, it, wait, what? Yeah, he got a tick in his dick. Like on his dick? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Like it was like burrowing into his dick. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. That's nothing a parent wants to wants to have to experience with their child. Like, All right, son, we're going to have to burn it off. <laughs> I don't think I have any uh, any interesting conversation starters, and I think we, we've gone long enough anyway. So um, you want to go to final thoughts and one word review? Yeah. Um, I, I feel good here. I, t- I googled the tick rule thirty four. Nothing. Wait, what? There's no tick porn. Is that what that is? Yeah. Not that. Not that I. Not that comes up on a Google image shirt search. There's all kinds of other horrifying cursed images, <laughs> but nothing involving the actual tick. I will thank you to not show me those. Uh, so yeah, final thoughts. You want me to go first? I'll go first if uh, if you want to. You're more prepared than I was, but I I came up with it before uh, before Woo. being put on the spot. Yeah. So John, what do you got? Mine is I'm going to go with uproarious. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. I um I was looking for for one, you know, like dramatic wouldn't fit it, even though like like for me it's all about, you know, surprise, surprise. The tick from the cartoon and just just all of his loud, raw emotion and just like passion and drama. I think in the comic book they they even they had even mentioned uh at one point that like he got more powerful when it was more dramatic or something. But that may have been like an offshoot series. In fact, there was one offshoot series that I that I forgot to mention earlier called The Tick and Arthur. I can't remember who the writer was, but it was uh, drawn by Sean Wang, and I really enjoyed that series. It introduced a bunch of again a bunch of new uh, new side characters and stuff into that that have stayed with the um, with the Tick universe. But yeah, I remember really enjoying that back in the day. But regardless, so anything from like Tick's loud, boastful, dramatic line deliveries to the way these shows are written to the other characters, you know, the, the, um, you know, shit like Chairface Chippendale or, or a, a, a henchman called Zipper Neck who's got like a zipper, a zipper on his neck. And his neck. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Like the, this show just never ceases to, um, or this property never ceases to make me laugh and just, it, it, it tickles me. I, I love it so much. I think it is such a, a loud, raucous, good time. And I just, just the amount of giggling I did last night while going through these, uh, these episodes, just, it brought a lot of joy into my life. And this was a real treat to, to be doing this as research for the show. And like this morning, I've, I've just been, you know, humming the, uh, the, the tick theme mm-hmm. song, which sometimes goes, goes into brave and the bold, uh, just naturally <laughs> like you with star Wars and Superman. Yep. And um, I think everyone but you and Star Wars. And <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it's it's been just pure joy. I love it. It is such an uproarious good time. I can dig it. So uh, with me, I went with inspirational. Okay. And not so much for the tick, the character as the, you know, the tick, the property. So basically, Ben Edlund. You know, 18-year-old kid came out, made a character, drew a comic for a local comic shop, got pu- got it published, kind of slowly put some stuff out over, over a few years. It blew up. It went into, you know, TV shows and basically allowed him to kind of creatively do all the cool things that he wanted to do um, and work on all kinds of other interesting projects. It, you know, put out like an issue a year or maybe a couple issues in a year. And... uh and was able to make that into uh, a, like a successful, awesome franchise that we all know and love, and we're doing a podcast about right mm-hmm. now. And so, you know, for us, like two schlubs that uh, are making a comic and get one issue out, uh, you know, maybe one to two issues out a year, and <laughs> make some slow progress. And, you know, we've got the backing of a of a comic shop that's uh, that's you know helping us, you know, push it and get it out there. And uh, so, like, you know what? Damn it, we might just be able to do something with this. Yeah, yeah. As as long as as long as our uh, our writing is as brilliant as this guy's. Yeah, yeah, probably not, but no. you know, uh it it can be done. Yeah. And uh so I think that's the coolest thing about not the coolest thing, but that is one of my big takeaways from from the tick and you know the saga of its creation. Yeah. I wonder. You know, because like the the tick has never been the giant blow up success that that a turtles or a transformers or GI yeah. Joe or Masters of the Universe 
But I wonder, I'd, I'd be really curious to see just what kind of success the tick has been for Ben Edlund. Like, does he never have to work and he just works for fun? Like, what what do his royalty checks look like? Yeah, I, I don't know. But he, I mean, he seems to be able to do the projects he wants to do. Yeah, but to it, a degree. And I'm, that's, that's cool. Like that, I, like, I don't, I'm, I'm I don't, curious if that's just reputation, you know, and talent as opposed to more like, like influence or something. Yeah. But I mean, I don't like, I don't want to never work again. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it'd be nice to not have to like, that. that's a great backup thing. But like, if, but if you can do all the cool things that, you know, if you get to pick the things you do and you enjoy them all, like that's, that's fucking, that's the dream there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind putting out one or two comics a year just for fun. <laughs> not having to have yeah. a day job at the same time. Right? That'd be Shit. great. Oh. You know, write an episode of, uh, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars here and there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, work on something cool like Firefly. Like, fuck. That's all, that sounds awesome. Yeah. That's that same interview that I heard w- w- with him back in the day, like after the tick had like moderate success. I think this was like maybe, you know, 10 issues in because it was before he'd even finished the run. They asked him like, would he be interested in like drawing for Marvel or DC? And he's like, yeah, you know, I would have been, but not so much right now. I don't, I, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to be like kind of hamstrung into what they would want me to do with the characters. Like maybe if I could do some like offshoot side character that I'd have some freedom to do something cool with, I'd be into it. But otherwise, yeah, take on like a paste pot Pete. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise he, he said he wasn't really interested. Like he wouldn't want to do like Superman or Batman. See, that's, that's interesting too, because you know, having drawn other people's characters once or twice, I mean, it's, it's usually my own, but you know, being in situations where you don't have creative control, like it can be more difficult to get passionate about yeah. it. Like, like something, something with like space oddities, like if, if I had somebody in here saying, no, draw this instead of the thing you want to draw, I don't think I'd want to do it. You know? So I, Oh, I shit, mean, let me cross these notes out. <laughs> well, that's a great thing is that us being co-creators, you can't make me. <laughs> we, we can we can figure out something different that satisfies us both, but you cannot force me to do it. You ain't paying me to do this shit. But I mean, like, would I want to draw Superman or Justice League? Absolutely. Like, I, I would kill for the opportunity. But I think it would be tough, you know, just being being or, you know, it would just be different. Yeah. Working on, on something else for someone else that I don't have any stake in. Especially if they like stuck you with a shitty writer. Yeah. You got like a really bad story. You're like, this story sucks and I know it sucks, but I'm being paid to draw. Yeah. I can't suggest anything or like a, you know, like a lot of times writers and artists can have problems with editors and like, that's, that's the big clash, you know, the different working styles. And you know, if there's, if there's some editor that's known for being like a hard ass and he wants to come in and, you know be be tough guy with me to get me to work oh you can eat shit that ain't gonna work well that <laughs> i mean granted i'm probably gonna be the one out of a job but but still i'm i will not respond well to that but yeah i like that inspirational you know it's i i i like that idea that like it has happened so that is proof that it can happen yeah absolutely uh, unfortunately it's not proof that it will happen to us yeah <laughs> but you know it's it's whatever. like playing the lottery somebody yeah. will win so that's that's why people keep playing because maybe it'll be me fuck yeah the ticket that i bought yesterday says no to that 
But what about the one you buy tomorrow, John? Exactly. <laughs> It'll all be worth it one day. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, um, thank you, folks, for dancing across these rooftops with us. Oh, in this fair city that is just called the city that we didn't touch on. Not there's much more to touch on than that, but that's cool. Just, it's just called on the, it. Yeah, consider it touched upon. Um, if you want to let us know how we did today, hit us up at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Geek Exploration, the podcast page, Instagram, Geek Exploration, the podcast, Twitter at Geek Explore Pod. You can call us and leave a message at 916-ORC-TURD. That is 916-O-R-C-T-U-R-D. Come and talk to us about anything. Talk to us about an episode. Talk to us about, uh, talk to us about what you had for dinner. You can ask us for advice. You know, one thing that I would really dig is if some of these geeks out here that are listening to this show, if they uh, suggested some topics they want to hear about. Like, yeah. let, let us know what you're into. What, what are we not hitting? I know we haven't hit wrestling. We need to do that. Magic the Gathering. I think I'm going to piss a lot of people off in that episode, but I mean, it could be fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're normally sticking to stuff that we love because it's stuff that comes to mind. But uh, like, I'm down to dive into some other fandoms that maybe I'm not so familiar with. Yeah. And I, I, I think one, one thing we've learned lately, and we may have touched upon it um, recently, was that we are running out of the gimme ideas, you know, the ideas where it's just like, oh, we could just talk about this, you know, so like anything we're doing now, we actually have to do research on. So it's like, hey, why not do something that's out of my comfort zone? Um, but not saying that I may have kind things to to say about whatever it is, because I've <laughs> there, there's probably a reason besides just I've never gotten the opportunity, you know, that, that I'm not into these things. Um, but yeah, do it. Sorry. And uh, if you uh, if you could be so kind to leave us a five spoon review on uh, Apple Podcast and or Podchaser, uh, we would uh, we would really appreciate it. Uh, we've got merch available at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. We are part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network, and our theme song is "Cruising for Goblins" by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And remember, you can't hide from it; you have to hug it. Hug your destiny!